0: Love, talk, radio. Hey everyone,
1: welcome to another edition of Showing Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today, Dan Lyons. Are you there?
2: I'm here. What's up, Dan? Not too much. How's it going?
1: Good. I'm a little bit later day at work than I thought, so I uh, kind of had the, the sprint, but booked it, made it. We are here.
2: And what oh, yeah. a glorious day um, it is for podcasting. What was that, Tim? What a glorious day it is for podcasting, because we get to talk about the gift <laughs> to the ACC, the Clemson Tigers, today. Oh, man, I
1: could just... I mean, the flames that are going to happen on the internet. <laughs> I mean, the SUV fan base that sort are of buckle up for, for emails from... For one individual in particular <laughs> who makes it a point of emailing, I know at least me and uh, and Bud Polkman. I, I don't know why we're the people that he decides to, to isolate. But I'm sure, I know he's emailed Sean a couple times, and I'm pretty sure he uh, he bludgeons uh, Brent Axe's mailbox as well. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope we got a letter <laughs> to the editor. I mean, this is going to create a letter to the editor, I can I can guarantee that. Um, so, yeah, uh, as people might have remembered from last week, uh, Dan and I and a revolving cast of characters will be doing, just like we did last year, uh, previewing the ACC one team at a time. Uh, last week, we got to talk about Boston College Eagles, and this week, we're going to talk about Clemson, and... Sometimes we'll be inviting friends on with Clemson. We've already made it quite clear we don't have any friends, so this, this gets to be a, a shade throwing phenomenon. Well, we'll give credit where credit is due. Don't worry, but uh, we definitely get to have some fun with this one. Dan, uh, what was what was your favorite moment of a uh, of Clemson banitude
2: from uh, from 2013? Um, I'm trying to remember all of them. I just remember after the game, like apparently they transformed into this, like, uptight group of people who didn't like to insert any type of attitude or anything into a football game because they felt like Scott Schaefer was this devil figure after he dares mouth something across the sideline and happens to get caught by a TV camera because I'm sure Dabo Swinney's never said anything uh, untruth during a football game. He's he's always of the best manners. Um so uh, just the whole their whole like identity is weird to me, um, but you know they do them I guess. The, there's a reason why it seems like all the other fan bases seem to uh, enjoy poking the tiger for lack of a better word.
1: Yeah, I think it's the it's lack of a sense of humor that really uh, that r- really I think gets the other fan bases going, and not all of them necessarily, but definitely us. Uh, our, our best friends in the world, Florida State, the uh, the ACC version of the Odd Couple. <laughs> and then, uh, for the most part, it seems like BC gets along with them pretty well. Um, I don't think Duke really interacts with them. North Carolina doesn't really seem to either. Yeah, it seems like overall, like there's there's a choice few fan bases that that continually just like t- interact with each other, and and it's odd that it seems like us in Florida State have become just like
2: Public enemies amongst the Clemson uh, corner of the internet. Yeah, it's uh, they seem to have their own like bubble going on, which is I guess it's fine. They haven't been enough fan base to deal with it, but it, it would it would you know wouldn't kill them except for you know a couple of guys who hop by every so often and are pretty cool. Like wouldn't kill them to have a sense of humor and not just like go on a crazy tangent if someone ever dares bring up the word Clemsoning, which I remember set off like a whole storm of of comments and just about how it's not really a thing, like just calm down. people are allowed to make memes if they want
1: yeah now of course there, there are a couple of club fans that do hang around quite a bit and they are a good time, but as as we've even pointed out to them, um, unfortunately, there are way more of the other type of, <laughs> at least in our experience. So yeah, uh, going into the actual team rather than you know, just the fan base, uh, Clemson's got a lot of change going on. Now, I mean they they have a, a big advantage to me uh, of really keeping that coaching staff um, of a ton of rising stars, you know, largely intact. Um, yeah, I think Chad Morris is just this like terrifying force um, as an office coordinator and the fact that they've been able to keep him under contract almost entirely just due to money um, is very, very impressive. Um, I think Dabo has actually put together a really great staff, um, and Clemson's done a great job at improving uh, the product on the field, recruiting in general, um, since he's been down there. Um, But, you know, Chad Morris, I think, is really, at least on the offensive side, um, is the key. And I think this year will really be a test of um, just how good Chad Morris is. Um, In the past, he's had, you know, ridiculous weapons, uh, from Andre Ellington to Taj Boyd and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins—you um, know—all players uh, who are in the NFL now. Um, and I'm curious to see what he does now with a fairly inexperienced offense. Uh, I mean, there's still plenty of um, still plenty of players. That there's we're gonna, we're going to see um, we're definitely going to see an offense that, that that is looking for an identity uh, and. and I think a lot of that falls onto Cole Stout, who I know we briefly mentioned last week. Um, I'm actually pretty high on Stout. I think he, uh, I think he definitely uh, showed some, some glimpses of, uh, being able to lead an offense last year, and, and he was a really highly talented, recruit. Um, I don't think he's going to be Taj Boyd immediately. I don't think he's necessarily as much of a dual threat as Taj Boyd was, uh, during his senior season, but I still think Stout could potentially uh, surprise. Um in the ACC this
2: coming fall. Yeah, I mean he has the advantage of having been in the system for a long time. Um I'm sure some when we you know get closer to football season, some SU fans will probably try to make like the Drew Allen comparison. Um but obviously Drew made a huge change and you know, and he really wasn't a fit for what George McDonald wanted to do. Where Cole Stout, while he's different than Taj Boyd, he's been there for a while. Um so obviously the coaching staff is very comfortable with him and vice versa. And like you said, um, you brought up how little tr- uh, turnover there is in the Clemson coaching staff. Um, I'm looking right now, they brought in Michael Reed to coach their D-back last year, and he was the only uh, co- new coach hire last year. And this year they have their entire staff coming back, um, which is really impressive. I mean, we've seen how much turnover there can be, even if it's just a small thing like uh, you know position coaches or there's almost always like one or two a year that end up going to the NFL or or trying to or taking a, a bigger college opportunity. But Clemson's been able to lock them down. Um, obviously, the biggest name there is Chad Morris, who I believe is still the highest-paid uh, assistant coach in the country. Um, but yeah, they, I mean they 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 are probably due for a little bit of a transitional rebuild or at least reload type season this year. And I don't expect them to go back to the BCS or really challenge Florida State for the Atlantic, but they you know, they should be a, a pretty solid team overall. Um they still have a lot of talent. So it'll be a de- definitely a different type season for Clemson. Yeah, I mean,
1: think it's a really good point. Um, and it's something that um seemed like started all these uh all these heated arguments well not started all of them but go to the most recent ones where a couple of Clemson fans are getting a little ticked off. Um, you know, at, I think right after the football season I was kind of skeptical that um, Clemson was really going to, you know, come back and be a top 10, 15 team again. Um, I just thought there was too much change, especially on the offense where, they, where it's been a strength. Um, I mean, do you think a 9-3 Clemson team next year, which, I mean, looking at the schedule, it like, seems, seems about right. Like, do you think that sort of team, you know, heads to an Orange Bowl, um, or do you think that that's selling them short? Do you think that this team could be in for four or five losses for the first time in a few
2: years? I think they'll probably be in an eight or nine win range. Um, It really, you know, obviously it depends on Stout. If he comes in and he looks like he's been playing this whole time, then that really changes things. But even then, he doesn't have the weapons that Boyd had um, with between Sammy Watkins and Martavis Bryant. Like they had that was a stacked uh, offense. Probably, probably don't even give it as much credit as it deserves, and I think we give it plenty of credit. Um, so even if he's better than people expect, it still might uh, be difficult to replicate or come close to um, what they saw last year. Uh, they they bring back, I believe. Uh, most of their offensive line, which is a good start, um, and then the defense is—I mean, we'll get to that more—but that's a whole other story. Like their defense is, for the first time in a while, probably going to be the the mate, like the definitive strength of the team. Um, but I, I think they're they're losing enough on offense, where I think it's going to be hard for them to get back to the BCS, and that's not really enough on their program. I think it's just kind of the the way things go when you have. Uh, Taj Boyd, Roger McDowell, uh, and then Brian and Watkins all leave in the same season.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, and, and that's the thing. You have to take away from Clemson's recruiting. It's not to take away from anything. It's just it's just to look at the realities of of how many players have left, and and this is really going to be a huge test, um, you know, for for Morris to see if he can if he can really kind of you know live up with. Well, you know, there's lots of heralded recruits. I mean, the experience really isn't there. Um, you were saying with the, with the offensive line, we have uh, three or five returning starters, uh, but there's some experience there. Um, I know Isaiah Battle has had some, some experience on the line before. Um, I know Sharon Peake, while well, he's not a returning starter from last year, uh, he does have experience, as does Adam Humphreys. Um, the running situation was never really great last year, but Zach Brooks and D.J. Howard both got some carries on themselves, and they're both back. So, I mean, it's not – I wouldn't say the coverage is entirely bare, um, which certainly, um, you know, does give them some options.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think Humphreys – yeah, he's the one who lit us up last year. (laughs) He only had three catches, but he had 118 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, That wasn't fun. I think part of that, too, and I'm I'm not, like, writing it
1: off, you know, just god-awful um, day of football, largely. Um, I, I do think that, um, you know, a lot of that was just because we had everybody lining up so far off the line and trying to guard against uh, Sandy and speed, and it just did, like, absolutely nothing. And then so that left Humphreys open um, underneath. I mean, it really doesn't matter where. I mean, underneath. Sometimes, other times, like, it just seemed like there was too much speed. And, you know, like, it's something our coaching staff um, has acknowledged over and over again, saying, like, you know, this, this is why you, you look at um, Syracuse's current um, recruiting and, and the guys that we've, we've grabbed from South Florida. Um, I mean, this is what we're doing. We, we understand that we have to keep up speed wise with large State and Clemson. Um, and if not, you know, we're, we're never going to contend um, for a division title, for a conference title. So, so I think the, the coaching staff understands that. But in the meantime, um, you know, we still have to deal with, with some really, really dangerous guys on the outside from a team like Clemson. I, I think in general, um, like you mentioned, Dan, the offensive line, uh, three of five to return, um, I think they're all interior linemen, and, and I don't always – I don't know how I feel about that because when you have a bunch of interior linemen um, only returning – um, and you're looking in, breaking into new running backs, a new quarterback, um, and then you've got, you know, the tackle spots, both of them kind of, kind of a little green uh, in the ears. So that could potentially, not definitely, but could potentially cause some trouble um, for Clemson. And I guess, you know, we'll we'll see what Morris can do, but I can, I want to see how Morris, how Morris uses um, a lot of the depth that he has a wide receiver. Um, you know how how long and short of a lease stout has i mean Deshaun watson is is a highly 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 touted uh, richard Freshman group. and i want to see i want to see you know will stout be able to really get that time and then running back like are they going to like since Ellington left, i mean it's only a, well would be two years coming this well like are they going to be able to figure things out are they going to be a very one dimensional offense so like last year the one the one big issue was a fairly one-dimensional offense, despite the fact that uh, McDowell uh, ran the ball pretty well. And, and so I think Morris doesn't have an easy job um, in front of him. I don't think that he, but I don't think that he has, um, you know, like a ridiculously
2: uphill battle either, given the uh, the stock of talent that's on this team. It's really interesting to to think about what would have happened if Deshaun Watson hadn't. Um, I think believe it was a broken collarbone he had, that kept him out for the spring because he was the number one quarterback in the country. Um, he's a dual-threat guy. He seems to fit the system. Um, but I, I think just based on how quickly they went to Cole Stout as a starter, they named him, uh, if I remember correctly, they named the, named him the definitive starter pretty early in the spring. Um, it seems like they just wanted to, to nip that in the bud. So it sounds like they're going to go with Stout, but um, – if he, I, I think he'll be fine. But if he isn't, I mean, I wonder if, if they'd be willing to burn uh, to burn the shirt and, and throw Watson to the wolves there if they, if they think he's the better option right away, or if they're just going to ride Stout uh, no matter what. I mean,
1: Watson has just received so so much hype. Um, not, not unlike James uh, Winston last year. Yeah, I think, and that's the interesting part here is um I feel like a year ago, you and I were kind of talking about um, James Winston and whether or not, um what's his name, who ended up transferring to West Virginia, um, whether or not that was going to work out. Uh, and then obviously, for Florida State, it ended up working out really well. Um, you know, I, I do have faith that I, I do have plenty to faith that um you know, that um sorry, that that Stout is gonna succeed, but at the same time, like having Watson breathing down his neck might uh might end up, you know, having a negative effect for
2: all we know. Yeah, it, it it's kind of funny how it, it it's not exactly the same because Watson's a, a true freshman and Uh, Stats been there for a while, but it does kind of um, it is a little bit evocative of the Syracuse quarterback debate last year, where obviously Syracuse didn't name the starter uh, until the season was about to start. So, but we were all pretty sure that it was going to be Drew Allen, um, and we were all very excited for it. And it ended up being Hunt, who was you know had his ups and downs, but was much better. In this case, if 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 you had to ask Clemson fans. Maybe not who the right choice is, but who the exciting choice is. I think it's overwhelmingly probably Watson. So I don't know. I doubt. I, I doubt Stout's bad enough where they think about burning that red shirt because that is a major decision. But uh, crazier things have happened. So that's that's definitely a storyline. It, it seems to be settled for now, and it seems like they're gonna ride Stout into the first game. But uh, I believe who they open with. They open with Georgia again this year. Yep, they, they're at Georgia. I mean that's not an easy place for someone to make their first start, even if they are a senior. So, um, I don't know. It's an, it's definitely an intriguing, uh, intriguing position, um, especially because we haven't had Clemson, Clemson quarterback to even be a question for so long.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it is funny, you know, and we talked about this on the site. I feel like a lot too, is how quickly uh, expectations around Clemson have shifted. Um, and, you know, how quickly and differently people feel about them just, you know, a couple of years. I mean, they're not that far removed from a 6-6 six and six season, um, and, and it is very odd to me, you know, to, to see these kind of, like, ridiculously inflated expectations now um, for Clemson. And, and you know, we, we just settle into these narratives, um, you know, like, oh, like, you know, Clemson hasn't had uncertainty at quarterback in a while. Clemson hasn't had a, like, a, you know, an offensive struggle in a while, like, it's funny now, um, you know, them kind of meeting these narratives head on um, and seeing what they can, whether they can live up to them or, or whether they, you know, bring back Clemson as a thing. I, I know the, the one thing I'm interested to see in particular uh, this year is, you know, how they're going to turn the narrative of uh, having a really just god-awful defense. Um, you know, a couple of years ago in the Orange Bowl, and how they're finally going to close the book on that narrative. Since they brought in Brent Venables uh, from Oklahoma, uh, the defense has gone up precipitously. Uh, I think this year they're honestly a top-15 defense in the country, which is insane when you consider how bad things were. Uh, people really sold them short in Venables' first season, um, and, and to me, uh, you know, I think he's made a huge difference. I think he's really—he isn't. He's brought in some great talent, um, I, but I also think where he's really paid dividends is fixing the talent that they have not helping them develop. I mean, for a guy like Vic Beasley to stick around when he could have been a certified first-round pick, I mean, I think that's saying a lot. And, and I personally, for the first time in years, am, am very, very um, excited to see their, how their defense performs, but I'm also um, discouraged by what it may do to Syracuse
2: at least in our, our matchup with Clemson. Yeah, that, it's mostly the D-line is just terrifying. vid um, Beasley is one of the best returning defensive ends in the country, maybe the best. I think he had, what, 13 or 14 sacks last year. Um, they return, I think, their entire defensive line. Uh, they Their secondary, they bring back, I think, their, uh, they have Martin Jenkins coming back as a senior, uh, they're both safeties coming back. Um, linebackers are a little more green, but if you have a really good defensive backfield and a really good defensive line, your linebackers can kind of work themselves out, I think. Um, and obviously, they're probably pretty talented, considering how strong Clemson's recruiting's been. And they have uh, Stefan Anthony, who was the starting linebacker last year, still in the middle. So it's uh it's a really it's one of the more experienced groups you'll probably find in the country. Um, And that first game, and it's Georgia. I think Georgia brings back nine or ten starters on defense, too. So, like, you'd think that game would be a shootout, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was, like, a a low-20s, even high-teens type game.
1: I mean, that's the crazy, uh, you know, thing with, again, like, how quickly things have shifted uh, for this, you know, team. They've really... I mean, it's not even the offense's fault necessarily. Um, it's just that next year they're not going to necessarily have to be um, in, in, these sort of, in these sort of shootouts. I mean, you didn't really see it ton of them last year either, but the offense isn't going to need to do much in, in order to, to get past um, a lot of these opponents. So to me now, it's going to be really exciting to see this defense I know that uh, the pass rush was actually, even when things were bad, the pass rush was actually uh, very good. Uh, that team that got lit up, I mean, Andre Branch did a great job on that team, so I can't, you know, like assail the entire squad. When there was definitely, you know, talent already available uh, when Venables showed up. I think where he's, he's really paid dividends is a very, very strong uh, linebacker group um, and, and and a ton of a ton of uh development um, in the secondary. I think, you know, you look at like some really, really highly regarded uh, recruits like Mackenzie Alexander, uh, Jaron Kirst, another, like, highly recruited, highly touted guy that, uh, you know, Venables was involved in. I mean, they had returned three or four on the defensive line. I think Travis Blanks and uh, Stefan Anthony are going to be, you know, two of the, I think, better linebackers in the, in the conference. I mean, this is this is definitely the type of group that um, people are going to be talking about, and I'm I'm excited to see how quickly the national narrative can shift, and, and people can can immediately talk themselves into to Clemson's offense versus Clemson's offense.
2: Yeah, it's it's a different look team, um, and I don't know. It's I'm I'm. Interested to see how they how they react opening with Georgia, as we said, but also um, the Syracuse team just really intrigues me because it seems more winnable on paper than last year, obviously. But, I mean, the defense is just really tough. And for all the improvements that Syracuse should make, um, especially with, with Terrell Hunt getting almost a full year of experience under his belt, heading to Death Valley for the first time is going to be pretty crazy. Uh, as is just facing a defense with that much experience where Syracuse has a lot of guys who have played coming back, but not a lot of guys who have, you know, really excelled, especially at the receiver position where it seems like we have nine guys who might play well or, or you know, who have potential, but not really one of them has really stepped up. Like we've had moments of Aston Broiled and, and Jared West obviously had a really nice year two years ago, but disappointed as a, a s you know, number one target type last year, so um I I'd almost rather have uh have Clemson, you know, bring some back more fire, uh bring back some firepower on the offense rather than face this defense that looks, you know, so stout. Um but we'll see how it goes because obviously we've seen teams that have you know, projected to have really good units before and just haven't really put it all together, so although I think this one's experienced enough where we kind of know what we're going to get from them, at least on the minimum, and then there's not a lot of... Uh, uh, I don't think there's a lot of doubt that they'll at least be very good. No, I, and
1: I completely agree with all of that. One thing that I actually forgot about when we were talking about experience, um, something that, you know, Clemson's going to need to replace, and this isn't like a typical conversation for any team, um, is they have to replace uh, Chandler Catanzaro who is, you know, one of the better kickers in the history of uh, ACC football. Um, I mean, we, we've cycled through a lot of kickers, but I wouldn't necessarily say that we've we said, like, oh, how are we going to replace this guy? Um, and I think, uh you know, with Catanzaro, I, I think Clemson really did have um, a bit of a short sure thing, and, and that's uh, something serious isn't necessarily... Uh, Familiar with lately, but I, I am curious to see how they uh, how they deal with that transition um, and whether we we see a Syracuse type um, reliance on two point conversions and fourth down conversions and, and all kinds of other things like that as uh, as they break in you know a new leg or two at the position.
2: Yeah, I mean, and we've seen just what uh, what you know having to break in a new kicker looks like. Um, because it seems like we've had to do it uh, a couple years in a row since uh, Russ Krautman hasn't been able to stay on the field. Um, As an aside, I kind of hope that, you know, I'm I'm kind of happy that we have Krautman coming back because at least it gives us hope that we have someone reliable because it was really ugly once he was out last year. And if he can finally get a second full, healthy season but under him, I think that would be a a real boon for the team. Um, Otherwise, I don't know, Kitting has been such a mess for – It seems like since I've even started watching the team, there was only really one or two years where it's even been decent. So, I don't know. Kicking game always drives me nuts.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of... You know, if we had any faith in our kicker, we would have beaten Pitt. And and not just
3: beaten
1: Pitt. Things would have been a lot less stressful at the end of drives, at the end of games. Um obviously the kicking game's huge. Um and you know, it it'll I think for us I think there's still a lot of things up in the air. Um, we don't have the type of depth that I mean something as two juniors sitting around on a roster just like waiting to uh to be inserted perhaps. Um and, and to me I don't know. I I guess like yeah, you know, this really speaks to the type of depth that they have in that part of the country, and the type of depth that we just need to generate as a program is, like, we need to have multiple options available, kicker, we need multiple options available to the position, and the seems to have that, and I think that this year is going to be a huge test of, of just how solid that depth that they have, is and just how solid, you know, all this recruiting under under Swinney and Morris, and, and now Venable's is, is we have to move a lot of them, and don't return... And they return eleven starters um, this year, which, which is a, obviously a low number. So I am very curious to see how they bounce back. And and I'm not, you know, it's not that I'm doubting Clemson. It's just that I'm, I'm going to take a eight or nine wins, and I'll believe more
2: when I actually see them on the field. Yeah, I think that's that's the the easy way to go with it. I, I don't see them being worse than eight wins. I think that defense is just good enough where. They'll they'll take down the the lower levels of the ACC well easy, easily enough. Um, I just think maybe they'll drop one weird game like they used to tend to do all the time. Clemson fans, you lose a lot of stupid games. Um, but I don't know. I don't see. I think I think they have a, a fairly limited floor. I, I I just don't see them having such a disastrous offense where they go under like eight wins. I completely
1: agree there. Uh, I, I I would be shocked and somehow the bottom fell out of pretty much every element of the team uh, to really get them there. I guess at this point, uh, so we could jump into some halftime because you know, uh, I'm sure you've had a productive week of drinking. I know, uh, you know I definitely have.
2: Uh, somewhat. Uh, I had a couple things, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not going to not contribute anything this week. Uh, so, <laughs> I had a couple New York that I hadn't had, which was good. Nice. Just opening up untapped. Yeah, I was just doing the same. Dead air, everyone. That's why you come to this show. I'm too busy looking up
1: Untapped and having some side conversations about getting Rangers tickets. At least I'm not in New York, so I feel like I'm like I'm more than preaching to the choir when talking about the outrageousness of Rangers tickets since everyone listening in New York who's trying to buy is looking at $1,700 price tags and I'm looking at $300 and change.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Going trying to to the garden for those games, it's probably going to be ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw this. Like, I was talking to a couple of people. Where I was like, you know, you should really just fly out here, <laughs> and because I mean, the, the price difference actually is um, still pretty significant. Where you could go to, you go to fly out here, round trip, go to game one for like eight hundred, nine hundred dollars, and it would cost you like twice
2: that to go to a game at the garden. I guess that's the advantage of not being in a a great hockey city but having a very good hockey team.
1: Well,
0: someone who not had a very
1: good hockey team much lately. I guess this is welcome.
2: Anyway, did you, uh, did you untap or to go? Yeah, uh, I'm all set. Um, this weekend, I got out to Manhattan for uh friday night um They didn't have too much. I was at a, a bar on the lower east side um not too much crazy, but a couple of things I hadn't had um I had Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn's uh Brooklyn or Weiss beer um which was solid it was uh, a happy Weizen, um a little more like of that really distinct. Uh, like, banana-y, wise in flavor than I, I usually like. I like that usually to be a little more subtle. This one just kind of, like, went all the way with it, which is fine. It's not bad. It's just a little more overpowering than I like them to be. Um, and then I also had a beer from Coney Island Brewing, which I didn't even realize what the flavor was until afterwards, and I looked to ta- uh, check into it. Um, it's called their Tunnel of Love. Uh, apparently it's a watermelon wheat. It tasted more like a regular wheat, but once I looked that up, I could. There was definitely like a, a, a sense of watermelon in there, um, which was nice. Uh, I've had. I think I've talked about other watermelon beers here before. There's a, a Connecticut one from Hooker Brewery, which just tastes like you like melted a watermelon Jolly Rancher in a light beer, and that was kind of oh, yeah. interesting but not good in a good way. I, like I don't know if I'd ever have it again. This one was um, pretty subtle. Uh tasted more like a regular uh a wheat, but once you like notice the watermelon, it's definitely there, it's just it's not pounding you over the head with it. So that was good. Um I would drink that one again. Uh and those are the only two really original ones. I you know, I drank some Newcastle, I had some Sam Adams, but those are the two really notable ones I had that I hadn't tasted before. Nice. Step into line check.
1: I was looking at cheaper prices earlier today, and now prices have jumped up again. Sucks. Anyway, um, I didn't drink, like, a ton, of this, a ton of new things this weekend. I was just kind of enjoying some old standbys. Uh, had some Blue House Citra Pale Ale from El Segundo Brewing out here. Um, absolutely delicious. I'm a huge fan of that beer, and I can get some bottles. even better. Um, I might have talked about this before, but the Heal uh, Bay IPA from uh, Golden Road uh, some of the proceeds from the beer sales uh, go to any uh, uh, shopping pollution in South Bay. Here in Los Angeles, which is always nice. Uh, for the Dodgers game on Saturday night, got to enjoy a Goose Island IPA for like $14. So that was uh, <laughs> delightful. Um, Goose Island IPA is not bad. It's not great. at $14. Um, and then also is drinking a uh, Blind Pig IPA from Russian River, fairly sought after uh, from people who usually visit California. Enough around here. Uh, there's actually a pretty legit beer bar um, about a mile and a half from Dodger Stadium, so before where I headed over uh, on Saturday. Got to enjoy one of those. So, yeah, that was uh, that was my drinking weekend, not a... As eventful as normal. I know this Saturday I'm headed to uh, O C Beer Fest, so uh so I will have plenty plenty to share
2: uh come next week.
1: Plenty yeah. I
2: have, a, I have a long weekend ahead. I'm going to all three days of Governor's Ball Music Festival in New York. Um I don't know if the, I know they have beer there. I don't know what kinds or how god awful expensive it's gonna be, but I'm sure I'll drink a couple. Um, or just on the way. So I'll, I'll share something next week. I don't know what it'll be.
1: Well, yeah, so Dan and I will have much more to talk about beer-wise next week. But uh, let's start jumping into uh, the Clemson schedule, as we would normally do. Um, Starting
2: with
1: Game 1. Dan,
2: Georgia, what do you think? Um, like I said before, it's a really interesting matchup in that they the two teams are very similar. Um, they bring back the, the lion's share of their defense from last year, but they lose a really notable quarterback. Um, I'm going to take Georgia, and I'm pretty comfortable in doing it, um, if only because uh, Georgia still has an amazing running back uh, named Todd Gurley, who is coming back and is a legitimate Heisman contender. Clemson doesn't have that on their offense, and both defenses are probably going to be the strength of the game. Um, I don't know if one will be much better than the other, but either way, I think uh is really the, the, the deal breaker there. Um, so I think Georgia will take this one. Probably not a blowout, but I think fairly comfortably. Yeah, I mean, last year, um, obviously Clemson won that game.
1: That was a nice kind of launching point for the rest of their season. Um, at least in terms of rankings, until Florida State wipes the floor with them. Um, I think Georgia is is like is actually one of my uh, kind of sleeper uh, playoff contenders. Um, I think the SEC East is kind of uh, in flux right now. I don't know if Missouri is really going to be as good as they were last year. South Carolina has to figure out um, how to progress without uh, Clowney's presence on the defensive line. So that kind of opens things up for Georgia a little bit. Um, I mean, um, I'm really discounting Florida. Maybe others aren't, but um, for me, I think the, the SEC is between the three teams I just mentioned. Uh, and I think Georgia, you know, playing at home, uh, opening the season against against you know, long time but oft forgotten rival in Clemson. I think it could be it could get really interesting, um, and, but but I do see Georgia um, just being over the. I think it was overpower in the trenches, and I think that's what they're going to win the game. I think it's going to be the high-scoring affair it was last year, um, but I think you're still going to see uh, Georgia manage to eat this one out and get a nice uh, quality non-conference win to start off the season. Next, uh, South Carolina State. Uh,
2: that is a win for Clemson. Yes. Um, despite the fact that it does have South Carolina in the name, I think Clemson will <laughs> Um, I don't think South Carolina State owns the same dominance that uh, that USC does over the, the Tigers. Never know; it might surprise us. But yeah, Florida. <laughs> Georgia Southern's comets. I think they
1: play at the end of the year, which I can't wait for. Yes, I think Georgia Southern now is uh is a 118. Maybe highlighting? Yeah, they uh, they're officially uh, the Sun The sunbelts are so great. The greatest, obviously. You know, have <laughs> you have a bunch of programs yeah. who yeah. you have bunch of programs who who have well, some programs like the the two Louisiana schools, South Alabama and Troy, um, are CUSA caliber to be perfectly honest. Uh, Texas State has potential, but then the rest of them.
2: Yeah, it's just it's 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 the Southern Mac. It's just a lot of fun. You don't need to have any rhyme or reason for why it does the things it does, or why UMass is trying to get into it.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I mean,
2: I don't want UMass to ruin my my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday
1: night, you know, random fun belt game.
2: But they they'll find a way to. I looked it up when the, that whole thing came out, and I think UMass is like a thousand miles away from Appalachian State, which would be the closest opponent in conference. Hmm. Like, is football really? If you're UMass, does football really mean that much? Was that again? He said if you're UMass, is it really worth it like to send your team to Louisiana twice a year and, and the random spots of the sunbelt and having your closest team be Appalachian State? Uh, no. I don't think so. I, I would say definitively not. But you
1: know, this is this is what uh this is what teams like UMass do. So we'll see I guess. I don't I don't really have much uh I don't really have much hope in that program in general. We've talked about this back and forth a bunch of times, but uh but yeah, it's not exactly uh it's it's not gonna really be a hopeful situation for, for a team like that. I just think that you put yourself in a southern conference. Like, you're already at a disadvantage in a northern conference, um, you know, outside your own recruiting zone. And now you're going to put yourself in a southern conference. Um, well, not definitively yet, but put yourself in a southern conference and have to deal with all that, I don't know, it's
2: just, to me, kind of schemes. Seems foolish, as well. Dumb. It's, it's a dumb thing to do. <laughs> yeah, anyway. there I don't know how we just start talking to you about UMass football. That's probably the last time we should ever do that. Well, we always end up talking about,
1: like, some random program. Usually it's just, ECU. Uh, it's, a- it's usually ECU, but you know what? ECU is, uh, is pretty awesome, and, and they're probably better than at least, like, five or six programs in the ACC. I think they're they're worthy of being talked about. UConn records, on the other hand, are not, and we talk about them quite a bit, too.
2: Yeah, but that's funny. It's moving down the list,
1: uh, half-hearted state. Lulls.
2: You are losing this game. Going away, Clemson. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so too. Um, it's probably for the best that they have them so early in the schedule. Just get it out of the way. People forget about it. Money you lose. Not a big deal.
1: yeah I mean, that's really like the big part here is that um while Clemson fans are gonna complain about the fact that they usually get played to fairly early in the schedule um at the same time, I don't really see the harm. um there's two ways to look at it, either you put the game later in the season, make it a big deal, and then the losing team gets completely like knocked out of uh, contention, or you put it at the beginning of the season. And then the losing team gets to recover. And if you're Clemson and you're likely looking at a one and two start, um, I would
2: think that you would like this way much better. Yeah, it's one of those weird scheduling things where losing earlier in the year is always better in college football. It just kind of—it probably shouldn't happen that way, but just one of those—just kind of one of those things about the sport.
1: Well, I'm curious to see if that changes though without the BCS. Uh, with the polls mattering less um, in terms of who makes this playoff, I mean perception will still matter, but it's not going to matter nearly as much as it used to. At
2: least that's my opinion. It's, I, I can see it both ways, though, because there is something to be said for being the best team at the end of the year rather than just kind of over like randomly or you know week three, week four, but. Um, I don't know. It's it's it's. I think it, the debate merited. Yeah.
1: I think both ways. I think it's going to be be a really fun case study. Um, of this year, and like I think this entire season will be a fun, really fun to really see uh, see how the thing gets sorted out, and if, uh, if things change over time. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing the committee faced with five undefeated teams or no undefeated teams. Or I mean, we'll see. I, I think it's I, I think the committee would be would be well tested to have to have something like that, almost a controversy, but at the same time I don't want that to also be a I don't want that to also be, you know, a like okay, like then we have these rigid, like nonsensical rules in place, you know. It's like, oh well if this happens and this happens and this has to happen. Like I think that would just be um be nonsensical. And I could definitely see it happening based on the minds. I mean, not to think anything about of or rights either. I just think that there's very much like a – if there's a legal sort of approach to this uh, about precedent and all this other stuff, I could see this being uh, a bit of a problem.
2: Yeah, I think you can almost guarantee that this whole playoff thing isn't going to shake out exactly, perfectly the first couple times because that would just be the most unpolitical thing ever. It's definitely going to take them a while to figure it out, but uh, and really, they it, it really need more teams. But hopefully, it's at least decent. As long as they don't do anything too overly stupid, I think they'll be okay. Yes, I, I definitely have
1: um, a decent amount of faith in them. But again, I think we'll see, and I think it's going to it's, it's going to be a fun ride for for all of us who. Have who have been around for, for many uh, an entertaining season. All right, so next is North Carolina. Um, the Heels have been confusing for a few seasons now. Um, this game's down in Clemson, so I, I'm going to take the Tigers. But that said, um, I do have the Heels, at least right now, winning the Postal. So, I mean, this, this could really go either way. Um, I think we'll know a lot about Clemson already if you if you have two really tough games in the first three and then three really tough games in the first four. Um, I think we'll know as much as we need to know about the Tigers already um, in September, um, and I think this will be a nice test. But I think if they if they come out of this stretch two and two, um, I don't really think there's anything to be ashamed of unless one of those losses was South Carolina State. But at the same time, I guess if you when it was lost the South Carolina State, that means you beat two of Georgia, Florida State, and North Carolina. So, I guess it goes both ways. But uh, I'm going to show this one up for a win, um, mostly because of defense and because North Carolina has been prone to mistakes in the past.
2: Yeah, I think North. this is probably one of the bigger swing games on the schedule because North Carolina ended last year so hot, and they seem to really get their stuff together, um, and they're going to be returning a decent amount of talent as well. Uh, I'm going to go with you on this and take Clemson mostly because of the home field advantage and because UNC is, you know, still pretty inconsistent. Uh, or last year they were just basically two different teams. They were kind of Jekyll and Hyde depending on what part of the season you were in. Um, I just have a little more faith in Clemson overall, but I think it's going to be a pretty close. It's a close matchup on paper.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, that might sound weird to say. At least right now, but I think we'll get used to that. As North Carolina, North Carolina didn't play poorly last year at all, um, or the year before. I mean, the year before there were some no mistakes, but this past year they definitely didn't play poorly. Um, I think we are in for for a fun matchup there. Um, staying in the state of North Carolina while playing in the state of South Carolina, um, NC State heads down to Clemson. Um, I don't. I know there's a lot of people who think the NCC is not going to be nearly as bad as they were last year. Um, I think that's fair, but I'm still not overly enamored with this Wolfpack team. Um, I think recruiting's been good enough to fix things right off the bat. Um, I I just think that there's a lot missing, um, talent-wise, and I just think Clemson uh just completely runs them off. The field. This would be. This would probably be. Um, you know. Clemson's first real uh, test um, offensively to see to see what they can do if this group can match um, previous year's explosiveness um, against an inferior, uh, you know, upper division team versus a team like South Carolina State that you really can't take much from a game like that.
2: Yeah, I think NC State will probably will be one of those teams that shows improvement on the field, if not in the record. Like kind of like the first maroon season where. It was night and day, like between how good the team was from the year before. It just didn't pan out uh, on the, you know, with the team making a bowl or anything. But that being said, that isn't a team that's going to beat Clemson. Um, so I think they're a year away. I think Clemson's just too much talent for NC State this year. It'd be a very huge upset. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with Clemson there. And Louisville,
1: this this one actually becomes one of my more intriguing matchups. Um, I think we're better than Louisville right now, but I think Louisville stands a better chance against Clemson if that makes any sense. I don't know if it does to you.
2: Sure. <laughs> I I don't know. It, I don't know enough about Louisville yet.
1: Yeah, I think Louisville's another uh, squad going through a lot of change. Um, and I think for them uh, this will kind of be it will kind of be one of their first um you know gay thing to they need to jump is okay like Louisville, are you are you a very good program that jumped into a better conference and remains a very good program? I mean they've done that before, or are you a very good program that's now going to struggle partially due to a change in coaching and quarterback um I like Clemson here, especially because they have this luxury of pretty much staying in Clemson for like most most of a of a five week stretch, and this is the third straight week that they be playing at home, while the Cardinals kind of have to go um, go on the road into a little more hostile territory. Uh, they played really well at home. They played really well in, in, in neutral site games. Uh, I I don't really know what the team will look like on the road, so I'm going to go with Clemson just because I think again. I think Louisville needs to do a little bit more um, with size uh, on the offensive line. And, and, again, we'll be breaking in a new quarterback. I just think that that Clemson front is going to be going to be way too much for him.
2: Um, I'm going to take Clemson as well. Uh, I'm very tempted to take Louisville. Um, I think Will Gardner. Uh, we don't know much about him, but he looks pretty good when he's played in very limited time. Um, but, you know, he sits five. He's uh, been the, the biggest issue is he's in a new system now. Um, but uh, he seems to be one of the more intriguing quarterbacks that we don't know that much about in the ACC. Um, he has a lot of help. I think Louisville has a much better uh, set of weapons than Clemson does on offense. Maybe not much better, but I think decently better. Devontae Parker is. A monster, uh, probably one of the best receivers in the conference. Uh, Muckley Harris is very good. Eli Rogers is very good. He has a lot of guys to throw to. Um, I think Clemson has enough on defense where it shouldn't. They shouldn't get torn up. And it all depends on how good Gardner is. Um, so he's probably the swing in that matchup. Uh, if, he, if he's a pretty solid quarterback from the from the outset, I think Louisville's a really nice chance to pull the upset. But I don't feel too great about picking them right now. So I'll reserve, uh, I'll, I'll, I have some reservations about it, but I'll take Clemson in this one just based on the experience of their defense and the fact they're at home.
1: Makes sense. Okay. We've got, uh, at Boston college, uh, this is their first road game in about a month. Um, I know we mentioned this game when we talked about D.C. last week. I don't like D.C.'s chances. Uh, I think both teams aren't as good as last year. But D.C., I think D.C. just has a a taller hill to climb um, to get back to where they were. So uh, I'm going with Clemson here. I I just, again, I I don't think that O-line U is back yet, necessarily. So, um, I, I just, again, it the, the difference maker here is, is once again going to be the Clemson defensive front um, and its ability to generate pressure on on Murphy and and on what what it will be a mostly inexperienced
2: uh, you know BC offense. I think when you play in the battle for the O'Rourke McFadden Trophy, you can really throw away the the record book. Um, <laughs> I don't know why this is a rivalry game, but it is. Uh, but I don't think it's one that BC is in a... Fair too well in, um, so I think Clemson will have no real issue going up to Alumni Stadium this year and knocking BC around a bit. Uh, you know, we said last week BC might have a puncher's chance. I mean, they played pretty well against Clemson last year, but um, just uh, without without you know the Andre Williams type running back, I don't see CBC uh, having the type of team that'll beat Clemson unless Clemson is just a disaster on offense, which I don't think they'll be. So I'll take Clemson to win uh number five, I think that is, uh against BC.
1: Yeah, that would be yep, five and two thus far. Which brings them to their hated non rival Syracuse. Still down in uh down South Carolina though. I'm at the schedule. They actually Every game but one is either in South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, or North Carolina.
2: We never leave New York, so I can't really talk.
1: (laughs) So yeah, um, Syracuse is going to have some addition by subtraction um, in the secondary, but that said, um, and we've discussed a little bit, uh, we just don't have the speed to keep up with them on the perimeter. Um, I think that Obviously, Terrell has improved. I think we have a lot of uh, great playmakers on offense, and it'll be interesting—much more interesting this year—to see that matchup of skill players versus Clemson's defense. But um, I, I think, you know, like you hit on earlier, um, in a tighter game, I see Clemson winning mostly because of home field advantage, and still um, a bit of a bit of a speed advantage that we're closing the gap on, but in no way are we are we caught up on it yet.
2: Yeah, uh, if this game was in the Dome, I would feel compelled to consider picking us, but I just don't think we're quite where we're going to go on a road game like that and win. Um, It better be closer than last year. I don't think it can possibly be worse. Uh, Hopefully we're within, like, two touchdowns and make a game of it. Um, And hopefully, I'm still hoping to go on that trip. It's going to be a little tough because I'm definitely going on the – Tri away course the following week, so I don't know if I can swing back to back roadies down into the Carolinas, but um, maybe I'll just stay down there or something but um I think it'll yeah it'll be a closer game. I don't see fear if he's winning uh, but I think the gap is being closed a little bit, and hopefully it doesn't blow open when uh when Watson starts next year and ends up being a high. Yeah,
1: I mean, also brings up the other point that I will definitely be in Lake Forest now. Um, have to run a plane ticket, but definitely confirmed on the uh, on the game ticket front. So we'll have to uh, have to finally share a beer together, Dan.
2: Yeah, hopefully. Um, I'm gonna have like my entire family there, uh, which will be interesting, uh, rooting in the Lions Brother Bowl. Of the ACC season, <laughs> which I hope to be UNO in, and I'm pretty, pretty positive I will be after next season. <laughs> See, I'm just bummed because no one in my
1: family like went to like big enough schools to uh, to warrant any sort of athletic competition, unfortunately.
2: Oh, I'm the only one who cares about it. My brother doesn't care at all. He left like I don't know. If, no, if he went to half the teams, I know he went to some more basketball, so- but. He's a, uh, yeah, uh, but my whole family will be there, so it'll be fun. Um, and I'll just mock him, even though he won't really care the whole time. But weights are going to be really bad. So, yeah, I think Clemson will beat them too. I don't think that's much of, much of an <laughs> issue. Yeah, I will be there with my dad and brother as well. And I just realized when I was talking about back-to-back weeks, I was looking at Clemson's schedule, I don't think, Oh, maybe, wait, Wake is the week before the Clemson game, right? Yeah, so maybe I will just stay down there.
3: Nice.
2: That could be fun. Yeah, I'll go post up in Columbia with my friends and talk about SEC football for a week.
1: <laughs> so after us, they get a bye week, and then we already said, Wake's going to be really bad. The fact that this is once again um, like a Thursday nighter on ESPN, is just embarrassing for Wake. If you want kids to come to your school, I just don't know if getting bludgeoned to death by a team on national TV is the way to go.
2: Yeah, they don't really have the choice, though. I mean, that's just ESPN zeal. Right. Yeah,
1: that uh, it gives them yet another win. So we we've, we we've allowed Clemson to
2: really reel off a, a ton of wins here. A Not a bad. Um, they have the two SEC games, but the ACC schedule is very advantageous. I think.
1: What
3: well, usually is? I mean, if you're,
2: I feel like, and, and I feel like I can say this with
1: a fair amount of confidence, if you're in the top half of the ACC, um, the ACC schedule looks fairly advantageous, um, especially if you're um, in the in the Atlantic. I'm including Syracuse in the top half of the ACC because I honestly think we are there. Um, I mean, and again, there's 14 teams, so I think we're one of the top seven schools, top seven programs right now. Doesn't mean that that we're set up to for success long term. Um, it just means that right now, if you look at the teams this coming season, I think we're around seventh, worst case eighth. But if you're in that top section, there, um, there's a lot of, lot of games against you know teams that just are not good, and, and that sets up well for, for especially for you know teams like Clemson, potentially Miami, North Carolina, Duke, Florida um, State. Yeah. That should be fun. With that win against Wake, Clemson gets to seven and two. Full eligibility, the whole deal. Um at Georgia Tech. Clemson has not looked overly impressive against Georgia Tech lately, but I I really don't buy the yellow jackets under Paul. I mean, I know they bludgeoned us to death last year and like just made us look embarrassing, but at the same time, like I just think Georgia Tech can like be thoroughly beaten by speed. Um, they're going to be breaking in. I mean, at this point, they'll be far into the season, but I don't think they have the depth and talent that they might have at one point at, at various positions on both sides, and I just think Clemson's speed on, on both sides of the football is going to be able to, to blow right by them. So I've
2: got Clemson winning their second straight home game, moving to 8-2. and two. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of in lockstep here. Georgia Tech, um, maybe if Clemson's defense was not incredibly uh, talented and experienced, they'd have a shot. But I, I And I hope this for Syracuse, although we don't play Tech for another like three decades, but um, you know when you play them fairly often, or however often you can possibly play a cross-division rival in the ACC, um, you kind of learn how to defend that. And with Clemson's Personnel on D, I, I don't worry too much about them beating beating Tech. Yeah. Georgia
1: State, Clemson and Florida State are smart and do that whole thing whether it's schedule like, you know, body bag games before their, their big SEC rivalry games, which is, again, very smart and, and actually helps them perception-wise. Uh, Georgia State is not an FCS team anymore. Uh, but that said, they lost to several of them last year, and might as well be one still.
2: Yeah, but they're going to. I
1: think going to win this game.
2: Yeah, and they get to. Okay. They get you know. Uh, well, I don't even know what that that they probably only bring in Georgia State. I don't think they'll actually go there at any point. But if you're going to go to a, a Sun Belt team, Georgia State's not a bad one to go to um, in Atlanta. I wouldn't actually be. Terribly shocked or disappointed if Schaefer tried to set up like a two for one or a three for one with Georgia State at some point, especially because we never played Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech anymore, um, except for the thing that didn't happen last year. But um, I think they're, they have a chance to, at least, to be a decent enough program because of their location. Like a, a lot of teams will want to play them.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where Georgia State is going to succeed and struggle at the same time. Because while they'll have access to the Atlanta market and there, I mean, I know Bill Connelly mentioned last year uh, when he previewed them. Uh, you know, if you were going to start a program from scratch, um, a large state school located in Atlanta um, is pretty much where what you would do. But because Georgia State kind of needs to get some more attention on them, they're inviting a lot of tough teams down. Um, and what that does is – I mean – Atlanta is not a closed door to outsiders by any means. Um, I think Georgia, has, uh, Georgia hasn't thoroughly, thoroughly mined for talent by everybody. And, you know, like uh, Georgia Tech fans really can't recruit Georgia very well right now, and, like, Georgia Tech fans are pretty pissed about it. Uh, the Bulldogs honestly haven't really locked down Georgia that well either compared to the rest of the SEC. So to me, um, well, Georgia State needs elite programs to come in, it's really not doing them any favors in terms of keeping that talent uh, in state. So I think they're yeah. going to be a really go for it. Dan.
2: Oh, I, I was saying I was looking at their recruiting rankings. There. I remember looking at the stuff on signing day, I and mean, they finished 101, which obviously isn't good. But a it's better than UConn, um, which <laughs> you know, like legitimately UConn was 106. Um, they signed even in know, our we worst were, days, we weren't that low. No, and then we dipped into the 90s a couple couple years, mostly that in our own year where he only had, like, a month to recruit. But, I mean, they picked up, I think, eight three-star kids according to 24-7, composite the thing. Um, it looks like a lot of Georgia kids, a lot of Stone Mountain, a lot of Atlanta. Like, they have a shot to be, like, at least as good as those Louisiana schools, if not better, um, and, you know, maybe they can move themselves up. I mean, in, in 10 to 15 years, if Georgia State is a really competitive Conference USA school, um, could they become someone who's, you know, a, a AAC or something might want to take a flyer on, maybe? Yeah, I mean, you know what, it worked.
1: It oddly worked for, uh, for Conference USA with uh, UTSA. Um, you know, UT San Antonio was another school that was just placed in, in a really prime area um, for recruits for interest in football I mean UTSA like draws probably just as many this year as he does um, and and to me you know that, that was a great I mean if you chose between like UTSA and like Texas state like it's very obvious that they uh, see like, USA chose right and like
2: I I honestly have uh, Texas San Antonio winning like 10 games this year so yeah those like if you're a Georgia fan who can't get Georgia tickets, or you live in the city and and you don't want to spend you know probably a hundred hundred fifty bucks to get a decent Georgia ticket, why not adopt Georgia State as your like little brother? You know this is my small conference team. Go to a couple games for fifteen bucks. You know, kind of kind of a fun thing. Or same thing with UTSA or or, or Texas State. You know, if you're a Texas fan but you're two hours away from Austin and you don't want to go spend a, so much money to go see the Longhorns play, you know, pop over to, if you want to see live football, easy enough to pop over to one of those, uh, those little games. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: mean, so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think studying overall, um, looking at, you know, these programs um, in the Sunbelt and in USA, um, and seeing kind of like the ones that were started out basically in football hotbeds, uh, we've seen things go both ways, and you know, we can see you know, who can continue. You look at programs like FIU and FAU, you know, they've kind of had been put in a major recruiting area like Miami. Um, and, and I think, you know, th- there's no real there's no real blueprint on, on how this is supposed to work. Um, but obviously when it does work, you know, you're looking at some some great, great results.
2: Well, it brings us to the was, final yeah. game.
0: Sorry,
3: what was that? Then?
2: Every every Clemson fan's favorite matchup of the year, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, who uh, we give people the only opportunity to say "cocks" on television without getting bleeped. Um, yeah, South Carolina is uh, is still pretty. Looking pretty good on offense next year. Um, defensively, they've recruited really, really well. Um, I mean, South Carolina's retype they never had before, just like Clemson, to be honest, um, in terms of recruiting overall. Um, the, the one issue that, you know, South Carolina's resurgence under Steve Spurrier, not resurgence, it gets like surgeons, because you can't read Spurrier without surging to begin with. Um, the only reason, you know, uh, South Carolina gets derided at all under Spurrier is because they've really... Done very little outside of uh, outside of made that one SEC title game. Um, you know, maybe maybe in a wide open East, maybe this is a year. Um, I could see them beating Clemson here. Um, I, I just think Spurrier just has has Dabo's number. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than previous matchups, but nonetheless, uh, I got lost number three on the board for uh, Clemson.
2: Yeah, I think we're just going to go right down the schedule the same way. um if you ask any South Carolina fan, uh, they will tell you that they get strewed on an annual basis, uh, and Georgia always gets the easiest schedule, which, I don't know, it just has worked out a couple times. But um, South Carolina, uh, interesting thoughts on them. Mike Davis is just a, a just ridiculously good running back. Um, he's just, he's like, he looks like a big linebacker, but he flies. That dude hits another level. Um, Dylan Thompson, another one of those uh, veteran quarterbacks who hasn't ducked him to play because of Connor Shaw there. But he actually has a lot more experience than holds uh, than Stout. He's played, he started a few games. He's played in the majority of a, a couple games. He can really throw the ball. They still have Shaq Rowland. They have uh, Rory Thompson. Um, they have a nice offense on paper. Their defense probably won't be quite as good as last year, but they have so much speed. Um, and then Spurrier is just totally in every Clemson fan's head, and it's wonderful. And they'll deny it, and they've had it, but it's the best. Like, Spurrier talking about Clemson is unbelievable. Um, so I'm taking South Carolina to go for the six-peat. Uh, and, yeah, it's just only if only because Spurrier just seems to make his entire life, you know, reason to, to beat Clemson on an annual basis at this point. And then, you know, if they beat the SEC title game, whatever. But if they beat Clemson, it's a pretty good year.
1: I think it's it made even more fun by
2: the uh, the hate barrier articles on every day should be Saturday. Yeah, I always hope that Syracuse gets mentioned, them. they they have been a couple times, but we're not in the in the weekly rotation of the hate barrier If you're listening, uh, I forget who writes, Spencer writes those, or if uh, Ryan Nani writes those, but either one. Throw are Syracuse couple bones. bones. Statue for made fun of your city, so get them in there.
1: Well, I mean, at this point, everybody has to have the obligatory soft nose mention. Any time you mention Schaefer.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, we're starting to sneak in. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll win eight games this year and and make the belt bowl and do all those fun things and slowly rise into the, the national consciousness of uh, football fans even more.
1: I'll see. I'm very much looking forward to it. I guess we'll close out there, unless um, the you have anything else to say about Clemson, East Barrier, Davos, winning South Carolina football, Georgia State, or any of those topics.
2: Um, I was kidding. Clemson's only 0 and 12. Not your tiger fan.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: the ultimate shame. No, they'll through. be
2: fine. They'll be a good team. Um, just not as good as last year, and don't don't kill us this year, please. Give us give us a, a just beat us by ten points. I'll be okay with that. And then Schaefer won't curse you out, and everyone dead get along. We can be friends.
3: We're not gonna be
2: friends. We all know that.
1: <laughs> we're too we're too far for friends. Probably right. But anyway, I'll close it up there. Thanks again for joining, Dan.
2: Yeah, always a good time. Who do we have next week? Uh, Duke.
1: Duke. That that would be one of my favorite ones because last I'm year I felt like.
2: Win fifteen games this year.
1: Last <laughs> year, Dan, Dan and I, I predicted. A little more they would be
2: last year when I predicted them to win eight, and I think I undershot it.
1: Yeah, Dan and I last year looked at each other weird when we both like had Clem- had Duke like winning enough games for a bowl like a mile while everybody else had them at, like, 4-8. and And then Duke actually
2: exceeded our ridiculous expectations. Yeah, like, we thought they just had a favorable schedule, which they did, and would sneak by, but they ended up, like, if you didn't even believe in Duke, like, through the beginning of the year, they ended up taking down a really hot UNC team, and then by all, you know, if you watch the bowl game, they have the only reason they lost to Texas a is that Johnny Manziel is amazing. Like they really should have won that game. So, um, yeah. So next week we'll we'll pick Duke to win the ACC and the Super Bowl, and it'll be great. <laughs> what do you do in a world where Duke wins eleven games? <laughs> and then they'll get knocked out of the first round in the NCAA tournament again, which will be just even better. You know, I'd make that trade every. Yeah, I could deal with that. I,
1: I could definitely deal with that. And also, I think it provides us hope that Duke can make an ACC championship game anybody can. This is true. I mean, Wake Forest did win the conference once in recent years.
2: Also true. During uh, during Isaiah, what's, what's the defensive tackle's name that was there forever? He just oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whitlock? Well,
1: yeah. I can't sure was- Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, cause I remember, like, I talked about him all the time now.
2: I can't remember it, because it started, like, pushing last season out of my mind. Yeah. Well, he's gone now, so wait for us to be terrible. But we'll talk about that in August. Yep. Anyway, so for John and Dan uh, and Troy
1: Newton's an absolute podcast, uh, thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe on iTunes um, and rate the podcast. Tell everyone you like it, please. And if you don't like it, reserve that for the comments and uh, Twitter messages. Uh, don't really. Yeah.
2: We don't want democracy. <laughs>
1: yeah, just, just give us five. Say that we did a great job, and, and then move on again. If you like Clemson fans and save it all for, for email. Fair enough. That, right. that everybody.